there comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? As we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Taylor as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Jesse Lozano. Thanks for joining me, Jesse, and let's explore the journey of who you are. Yeah, great. No, I appreciate being here. Can we start with a little bit of background? And the people will hear from the accent. You're not um, from the UK. You must be over in America. And uh, a little sort of idea of, of exactly what it is that you're doing in your, your current lifestyle. Yeah, um, so I, I was born in South Africa, uh, lived there for uh, a little while, and then moved over to Texas. Uh, my dad is Texan, my mom's Scottish, uh, so I've got a bit of bit of both worlds there. I, I lived out in the UK from 2000 though, and and lived in London for for quite a while, which is where I started PyTop with my co-founder. But uh, we've got we we have offices in in Austin, Texas, uh, and in China, um, and so I I'm I'm out here in Austin, Texas, uh, quite quite a bit these days. So the accent it's here, there, and everywhere. But the the more time I spend in Texas, the the more the more Texan it gets. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And for those people listening who um who also listened to the other podcasts on the network. I did a, an interview with um, Stuart Swan on the National Association for Primary Education podcast, which came out during this week. And he was chatting about PyTop from the, the standpoint of um, sort of learning um, creator and that kind of physical learning that's going on. So you said that you, you're obviously the co-founder. So, so how did that idea come about and exactly what was your sort of um, inspiration for it? Yeah, so... I suppose the inspiration for it was when I met uh, my my co-founder Ryan. He was talking about so Ryan was doing uh, did, well, did a has a master's in engineering from Oxford University, and he was um, you know it, over the course of that master's uh, he was you know interacting with uh, a whole array of different learning materials, and one of the things that he was messing around with was the Raspberry Pi, and in my background i had I, I mean i did uh i did politics at university and then i did law and then i graduated into the economic recession and you know nobody wanted to hire a lawyer <laughs> uh so I, I i ended up learning to build websites and i um sort of went down that path of self-taught self-taught full-stack developer i got to talking to ryan and he was like yeah i'm doing this um i'm doing this project with the raspberry pi and you can you know and it just i was like that's really cool. So you can just build anything. And I guess that was, I, I realized that, wait, wait a second, you can build anything that you want. And it, wouldn't it be, you know, really cool to uh, be able to learn to not just code, but learn how to build hardware, learn how the digital interacts with the physical um, and kind of, you know, wouldn't that be a really interesting way to learn computer science in school? And so we set about trying to think of, well, what's the best way that we can utilize, you know, technology to put 
physical computing, coding, design thinking into schools so that kids are actually learning to build real things and having fun whilst they're doing it. Because um, basically when I went to school, uh, computer science for me was just, you know, here's a computer, learn to touch type, and uh, this is a thing called Excel spreadsheets. And if you become an accountant, you might need to use it. So let's learn how to let's learn how to use this specific piece of software. There was this huge gap, and it was in terms of, you know, hey, like you could actually build anything if you learn computer science at school. If you go to university to do a STEM-based degree, you know, mobile phones they're not made by aliens. They're made by people like me and you. And you know, it can be a really interesting and fulfilling. Uh, you know, work that you do. And that was kind of, you know, it was like, why isn't computer science awesome, basically? And, um, and that's what, what really fueled us in the, in the beginning was just trying to create a new platform that made it, you know, straightforward for teachers and students to build solutions to problems that they had in their local areas, um, you know, using computer science and technology. And how did you find that in terms of getting it into schools and, and like you said, the, sort of the way the curriculum is set up in certain areas, certainly in computer science, is it something that people really love the idea of but weren't sure how they could fit it in? Or were you able to show all those obvious benefits and then they sort of jumped on the chance? Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I kind of I start off with a joke that I tell everybody. It's like the great thing about computer science is it's the same here as it is in the UK, as it is in China, as it is in India, as it is in as it is in Russia, like it's, it's a, it's a universal kind of skill, right? So every curriculum in the world may be slightly different or actually in cases, most countries don't have a computer science curriculum. It's still not mandatory. Um, and even in places where it is mandatory, like in the UK, it's really a framework that's mandatory. Um, and teachers can fulfill on that curriculum framework in any way that they see fit. Um, so it's it, it's still very much down to the the individual teachers how they're going to you know actually impart this knowledge on on students. So with PyTop in the beginning, it was really about hey, wouldn't it be really cool if you could do you know all of this maker based stuff in your classroom um, and, and actually have it feasible? Like you're not going to spend thirty minutes setting up a classroom to do you know, an hour's worth of work um, to then spend another 30 minutes taking it all down. So the original PyTops of version ones sort of five years ago or four and a half years ago, it was about that ease and convenience of being able to integrate the physical computing side, the maker side of creation into a classroom. And then as we sort of got into a lot of schools and um, got a lot of feedback from teachers, you know, the real demand there was um, for a learning framework, something that would enable teachers to uh, better teach um, computer science skills, but also how those intertwined with other science skills. So, you know, now PyTop, you know, you can, you can put it into a geography class and use our, our weather station project to integrate it into that. You can, um, integrate into physics, or chemistry, or biology classes, um, not just uh, computer science. Um, and that's kind of, it's just listening to teachers and seeing what kind of 
um, framework they actually wanted to work with. And it's really, it's an open-ended framework. It's something that I would, it, it enables teachers to be amazing. It doesn't tell them how to be uh, a teacher because a lot of, you know, I think a lot of education technology is trying to become teacher proof in a way. And really I think that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing. It's we should be enabling teachers to be great um, and put their kind of individual stamp on learning. Um, and that's where the best, that's where the best learning comes from is, is when a, when a teacher can take a framework that's kind of open-ended, but, you know, has some great guidelines um, and make it something that's truly theirs and special. Yeah, I mean, that makes so much sense. And I, and I think when I, when I was chatting to Stuart on the other podcast, we were talking about um, lights and buzzers and creating a structure to put all these things in and that and and, and i was just yeah. suddenly went off in that direction of yes and then it's like well how do you create the structure and what what materials do you use and then you learn the same sort of learning format and ideas that we were talking about with pytop into the how you create the structure and all that kind of thing and then all of a sudden yeah. we were we were talking about a very expansive very exciting very um student-led way of learning which is incredibly inspiring for everyone involved and then we started talking about the sort of the the idea of testing and all that sort of stuff and i was sort of joking on there as we started talking about that very briefly sort of felt the the life being sucked out of me again as i remember all that all those times and i thought it's that idea isn't it when you can inspire teachers to take it in whatever direction when you can actually really get the children and, and the students really involved in what they're doing you can cover every part of any curriculum you ever needed to do it's just it just opens up a whole new different world and what i love about about this is a is a concept and is a is a product is the fact that you can actually see and understand how it all works because it's physically there it's out there in the world and people can actually visualize exactly what's involved and i think that's the that's the way the world changes is because people can see how it works yeah. it's not just about chatting about it it's actually about physically being able to take part i completely agree and it's about creating those um those moments in time that enable you to remember the information that you're supposed to remember, right? I mean, like instruction-based learning is all. There is a place for that, and it is important. Like ultimately, you need to, you know, memorize some knowledge and some information. But, you know, in professional, in your professional life, no one knows everything. And if you ever hire anybody who says that they know everything, well, you're probably in for a rough ride. <laughs> so it, it, it's really about, well, how can you take lots of disparate information um, and apply it towards a problem to create a solution? And in doing so, you create the best way for students to, you know, ultimately they all have to do an exam at the end of the year. It's like the necessary evil. But I can tell you now, I'm 31, and out of all of my science classes, I remember the practical ones the best like i know that if you throw potassium into water you'll know all about it i know that if you you know steal some magnesium strip from the from the from the chemistry lab and take it to your friends after school and light it on fire it really lights on fire and i know what the inside of a frog looks like because we dissected one in class those are permanent memories that are embedded in there because i have that experiential moment in time where I went and did something with the knowledge that was presented. Um, you know, maths is a massively useful subject. Do I remember most of the stuff that I was taught? Uh, no, but if I went online and researched a little bit, yeah, okay, you know, you'd, you'd get it back and all that. But it's really about 
providing that those those touch points for students to 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 you know anchor everything it is that they're supposed to memorize on um, and when they come into an exam and they have to with a pen and paper write code <laughs> um, then which is a ridiculous thing in and of <laughs> itself but um, uh, they they can they can rely on the examples that they built and contributed to themselves rather than having to sort of do a memory recall exercise where they're just you know oh you know what's a for loop okay i i remember this it was in you know it was in this page of a textbook and here's the definition and here's an example it's flipped the other way when you do experiential learning it's okay i know what a for loop is because i i built this thing um and therefore this is the definition of a for loop yeah, and, and I suspect as we start to progress through the podcast, a lot of these themes will come up with the answers to some of your questions. So why don't we um, <laughs> why don't, why don't we swing back around now? And, and I'm, I'm interested to see how this question goes, bearing in mind all the places you've lived and your experiences. But what does your life look like now? And, and how would you say it's different from when you were growing up? So this is a, it's a question that I, I, I've, I've thought about. I've been working a lot. Uh, I've always worked a lot. Um, uh, but... Now, I suppose what's different about life now is that um, the stage at which I'm working on is a lot bigger, and um, it, it, it's genuinely very, very fun to get up in the morning and work on a massive problem. Like, what problem is PyTop trying to solve? Was well, how do you teach millions, millions of kids the skills that they need to thrive in a changing world? Right? So it's not just computer science; it's it's all those future skills that we're going to need. And, you know, as we go forward and more machines take jobs that we kind of traditionally did as humans, um, you know, how do we solve that problem? So it's really fun to be able to, to work on that. Um, I travel a lot for work, and that used to be more fun than it is now. <laughs> <laughs> sort of four years of consistent, uh, uh, almost weekly travel, um, it, it, it takes a toll. But it's actually sort of opened my my eyes to the world in a way that they, they weren't um, before, which is which is great. And yeah, basically my life right now it's completely surrounded by technology. Um, I 100% like to bring on as much new technology as possible, although sort of staying away from just like social media stuff because I don't particularly like that. <laughs> but um, but any any new now I'm pretty obsessed uh, with um, the new Microsoft Hololens and 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 all that all that side of stuff. My life before um, was it was I guess I, I've always worked uh, a lot. I, I always liked studying and I always liked um, applying myself to things. Uh, so when I was a kid, I I played a lot of baseball in Texas. Um, went to the Little League World Series in Cooperstown, New York. Um, I played for the UK a little while, and then I was a black belt in karate for a while. So I, I did loads and loads of sports when I was young, and I'm kind of paying for that now that <laughs> I'm older. <laughs> so I feel it. <laughs> um, but uh, I suppose technology was, was not actually, when I was young, um, it wasn't a part of my life um, at all, really. I, I still remember getting the internet um, at my house in in Texas, and uh, like going onto you know AOL 
uh, and like the first game I ever played online was a Jetsons like game that was kind of like Angry Birds basically, but you were a Jetsons character. <laughs> and uh, so you know, that, I suppose it's it's really been me learning what I wanted to do in life, um, and now I'm I'm finally getting to do that. I had to do a lot of university years where I was doing subjects that were interesting, but definitely not what I wanted to do in real life um, to, to get to this point where I kind of happily lucked into being involved in, in technology and education. And, and it certainly sounds like a lot, a lot of it, and I'm, I can certainly remember the same thing, you know, when you're younger you don't actually know where you're heading necessarily it's only just a kind of I like doing this I like doing that and like you say whether it's studying certain things or whether it's doing sports or just being interested in something that's all you can do now and actually not worrying too much about the bigger picture but just sort of following your gut in terms of what you're doing don't like and and putting your efforts into things which then you can really strive for as you go through and like you say bit by bit as you do get older the reality for everyone is that you have a bit more control because you don't have to go to school you can choose to study but then you suddenly realize that you what you have gained in that early years is that kind of but I did enjoy this and I do enjoy this now and that relationship stays the same and I think that's probably quite an important one for you to sort of understand is that as you were just saying your life is completely different than it was but in essence your sort of understanding of what you enjoyed was was the thing that sort of led you through well completely and and I one of the lasting uh, I've always been involved in team endeavors like uh, whether it's doing 10 tours like Duke of Edinburgh stuff or playing baseball or cricket or rugby. Uh, it, it, I've always done team based stuff and that it's great. It's one of the, it's one of the best sort of things that you can do when you're young because collaboration and working together to create something better than what you could do by yourself is one of the most important skills in life. Um, and, uh, and that, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why PyTop, we focus so much on collaboration. I always make the joke, it's like, when's the last time you ever had to do something in isolation by yourself with no help from the internet for three hours, <laughs> right? But that's, guess what? That's how you're, that's how they're going to grade how much you know yeah, for sure. um, in university. Uh, so the, the extracurricular, that team building side of things, whether it's like, you know, doing hackathons in a team or whether it's doing something sporting, it, it all builds to something very important, which is well, how do you work with other people to to solve a problem? Yeah, I think that's great for us all to hear that all, how all those things actually sort of fit together. So having said all that about the school setup and everything, what was valuable about your school experience? So I, I had, I had uh, a few different uh, school experiences. When I was in Texas, I went to a really small school. It was 150 kids in the whole school uh, and in my year there was like I think there's 12 or 13 kids in my in my year so it was very different um, type of school and then when I was uh, 13 happily I managed to get a scholarship to go to a fantastic school in the UK uh, called Millfield School in Somerset and just an amazing school fantastic sports but uh, also amazing uh, academic facilities. It was just a great experience for me um, going there. And I, I grew up a lot um, going to that 
to that school because Millfield, you know, they have over a thousand students from and kids from 52 different, well, must be more now, but over 50 countries um, go to this one school. So it's just this amazing melting pot of different cultures, different people, different ideas. Um, and the teachers there um, were fantastic, um, even though some some subjects were better than others. Um, but I guess going to that kind of school, um, I, I got a really good understanding of you know, how to perform well on exams. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that is one thing that I think all top schools, uh, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, um, you learn how to perform well on exams. Um, and it's not the same as uh, actually knowing things. It's, it's just you learn a skill, which is how do I write a, a good essay so that I get an A on this exam rather than how do I become a master at this subject. Um, some subjects, though, at, uh, at, at school were just should have been really boring, and they weren't because the teacher was so great. Um, and, and so I get my, my takeaway from, from education in general was that it's not the, the end of the world if you don't perform well at school. I mean, actually, um, if you genuinely choose subjects that you're interested in, you probably have a better, a better time of it. Like you said earlier, you know, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily know what, what you want to do. Well, when I was a kid, I knew what I wanted to do but I didn't know. Um, I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and I signed a contract with my parents when I was 12. I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. That's what I'm going to do. And from 12, I shaped my entire school career to be a lawyer, um, which is crazy, really, if you think about a 12-year-old uh, deciding that. But that's, 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 that's what I did. Um, and, and then I ended up really hating law, and I thought it was... Um, it just wasn't the subject, wasn't the thing for me to do, even though I went to university to do it. So, um, yeah, uh, the, the, I should have I should have done DT and, and things like that, but it wasn't. Uh, I, I'd, uh, you know, I just even though I really liked those subjects and I could have spent hours now, I could have spent 24 hours a day doing uh, like fine art and DT uh, type stuff, um, but I just never. I didn't think that you could make a career out of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that, and that, and that's the great thing that um that I hope that people start to to understand as through all of these podcasts is is the fact that one you don't necessarily know where you're going to end up and also that even having done what you said you know you signed a contract with your parents and you went to university to study all these things you still now find yourself only at the age of 31 um doing what you love in a way that you do it in that creative environment so nothing is forever you can make those changes as and when you feel like you've got the ability to do it i guess yeah completely and it's not just making those changes when you're when you're young um people make those changes. I mean, look at you know jack ma um people make or like what's it uh who is a mcdonald's founder or the controversial one roy Kroc, i think you know these people change directions and you can change direction at any stage of life there's always going to be an on-ramp to you know becoming successful but really yeah what is what is success i would argue that it's actually being able to do what you want to do every day is more important than um, than sort of uh, 
con- consumer-based ideas of success. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And and you talked about some of your subjects sort of being more fun than you thought they ought to have been or whatever. And so which teachers do you remember? And, and I guess you'll remember them because of exactly that, sort of making them fun within a within a subject you weren't yeah. even sure you wanted to be having fun with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, in typical school fashion, uh, I, I don't know the, the first names of, of my teachers. They're all sir. Um, or or miss, but uh, so economics, Mr. Snedden, um, I've I've mentioned him actually uh, a lot. I don't know if he's ever heard anything or seen or read an interview from me. There's no real reason why he would, but he he made economics amazingly interesting. Um, he had worked in the city uh, for a while and then came uh, a teacher at uh, at Millfield School and just made things interesting in a way that they just you know any other teacher could have just gone through the motions and and you know explain to you what you know economies of scale is or or you know opportunity losses but this the way that he was able to link those uh like the you know the things that you needed to answer on the exam to real world examples that he'd actually gone through um it was it was really it was really interesting he was also perhaps somewhat unintentionally very very funny um, and to the point so great great teacher and, and made it really fun to to learn economics and then another one mr rolf and politics and he was just he was just uh, an extremely charismatic uh, teacher uh, everybody liked him and there wasn't wasn't a student that didn't think he was fun and interesting and also he had a great subject to te taught history and politics but i did politics with him and and um and yeah again it was it was really fun because you were able to link what you were learning in the classroom with stuff that was happening right now so it felt extremely relevant um, and he was really really good at doing that I think sometimes we sort of underestimate the whole personality side, don't you? You know, there are some people in life that you just get on with and you you connect with in a way that you can't really understand or put your finger on. And and like I say, it might be the being funny about it. It might just be the fact that you appreciate their integrity or it might be the fact, like I say, if they've got an experience, a world experience, which they can then bring into the classroom as well, I think it becomes a, a real kind of... Um, I don't know, there's kind of a knowledge base there, obviously, which you can't get just by being an academic in whatever you're studying. I think mm. that, that that's come up a few times before, and I can really understand why they make such a such an impact on everyone. Yeah, I think it's a big part of it is, is being genuine. You know, as, as funny as it sounds, that, that um, teachers who are genuine with their students can connect with their students in a way that um, a teacher who wants to like just be a teacher I guess the it's difficult but I I feel what I'm trying to say here is that when when you are genuine with your students you make connections in ways that encourage students to learn the subject because they feel like they're being taught as a like not maybe not necessarily as a peer but as a better standing than just someone who's being given information and told to memorize it 
you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I think that's absolutely true because I mean, at the end of the day, we all want people to be interested in us, and we and we're you know we're our most important person, you know. And so, if there's someone yeah. who's actually we feel is truly talking to us in a way that's important for us to learn or or for us to understand what's going on, I think that connection is exactly. I think that's the sort of thing you're talking about there in terms of it's not just yeah. about I'm learning these facts; it's about that you're. I guess you're actually teaching me, and I guess maybe that's the difference between real yeah. teaching and, and just being a student. Um, teacher kind of relationship yeah yeah so who did you admire when you were young and what was it about that person that had such an impact yeah um it's it's a good question um there there were a few people but if i had to boil it down into one uh, person it'd be pete rose so uh baseball players will will know who i'm talking about pete rose uh nickname mr hustle um, was a, a, a really prolific uh, baseball player, known uh, for running everywhere on the on on the pitch. So, um, hence the nickname like Mr. Hustle. Um, he would run everywhere, do everything to you know 110% effort. Um, so when I was when I you know when I was playing a lot of baseball when I was a kid. Um, that was that was the person that I wanted to emulate, and so when I was on the pitch, I would run everywhere. I would always be listening, and um, and I would always do everything the coach told me to do, you know, at 110 uh, percent effort, and it did me really well. I, I, you know, it's it's funny to think that you know it, it's not necessarily you know when you're going out to do something if you just if you decide to put all of your effort into it and you actually do put all of your effort into it all the time, then you get a much better result than if you're just there to be there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. We were did a table with my kids in that yesterday and we were talking about schools and exams and, and what you need to do and, you know, the added work that's often put on children these days when they're studying for exams and all that kind of thing. And, I, and it's something that I remember from the um, from reading The Slight Edge is, is that sense that if you just turn up regularly you put a hundred percent in and you just focus on doing what you're supposed to do or what you perceive you need to do by the mentors or the people around you that are supporting you as you're learning actually you get a, a long way into just achieving everything that you need to because the majority of people either they don't do it at all or they certainly don't put a hundred percent in or they don't just commit to what's around them and that can make the difference yeah. between between success and, and, and failure in lots of ways and it's there's, there's no magic pill even you know we can talk about talent and all those sorts of things but actually just showing up at 100 percent, doing what what you know is around you actually is a massive part of that yeah i think i think you're very 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 correct there it's when you think about the world because it's hard to imagine how many people uh, there are in the world right the, it's actually hard to visualize uh, so, you know, in, in the US or the UK, you're like, okay, well, I know that I'm one of millions in this country. And then when you boil it down into, let's say, what do you want to be a lawyer or, or a, you know, a doctor, or, or maybe you want to be an entrepreneur, or you want to be a developer? Well, there's inherently going to be millions, at least hundreds of thousands of people who also want to do what you want to do. And so the base level at which you have to perform in order to actually achieve what you want to achieve is to try 100% of the time when you're actually trying to achieve a goal. Because if you're not trying your hardest, 
well, then how can you expect to outperform the hundreds of thousands of people who also want to do what you do or also want to do what you're doing? And they are trying 100% of the time. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really important lesson, I think, that uh, a lot of young people could, could learn is that it's not just going to – like trying really hard is just the – that's the standard that you have to do. And then there's things like luck and networking and, and sort of the, the random number generator stuff that happens <laughs> in your life. Yeah, absolutely, and and often people say they make their own luck, but like you say, there's within within that there's the understanding that bigger picture. And I love the fact you just mentioned there about networking and just you know how you how you show up in the world, you know how you talk to mm. people, just even knowing that you should talk to somebody or, or whatever that happens to be. There's lots of those skills which aren't actually taught in school necessarily, and actually they are probably the most important things when it comes to actually being a well not being even a grown-up being anybody that wants to interact with people and, and actually thrive in a in a society of, of like-minded people yeah exactly the more people you talk to the more likely you are to find people that are interested in what you're doing yeah, absolutely <laughs> absolutely um what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you yeah um so i think the advice is twofold. Um, the first uh, being uh, it, it's sort of a statement rather than advice, and it was, what have you done lately? Um, and <laughs> and uh, that, that's a piece of advice that I got from my dad. Um, and it's because when you're trying to do great things and you want to you do, when you're trying to do anything um, or achieve something or solve a problem, there's a temptation to, you know, get a little bit of success or, 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 or feel a little bit of accomplishment. And then you, you sort of lay back on that accomplishment and you feel good about it. And you're like, yeah. Uh, but then the world keeps going <laughs> and it really starts to become a case of, well, that's great that you did that, but what have you done lately? Um, and so really, I guess the advice cascades into, the, the next piece, which is um, that you don't, so you don't deserve, any, like no one deserves anything, and you have to go out there um, and win it. Um, and, and that was a piece of advice I got actually from our chairman, um, Eric Wilkinson at, at PyTop. Because um, when you're trying really hard, right, and you think that you've done great stuff lately, uh, it can become frustrating when you feel like. You know, you just you 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 want to you want the company to be bigger. Or you want something in your personal life to to happen, um, or you uh, you know you're, you're, you 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 want to get something done. You know, and you you become frustrated because it hasn't you know you haven't done what you wanted to do, or or something hasn't happened the way that you want it to happen. And then you have to realize that actually you know, there's no such thing as deserving anything. Actually, um, when you get it, you know, then 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 by by virtue of you having it you've you've now deserved it right but um you, you know you can't you can't you can't get frustrated at the fact that you don't have it um you should just keep working to go and get it and that that so those are the that's the that's the best advice that i've i've gotten and and working the way that um the way that i i have done it's helped a lot to consistently put in effort all the time. 
um, because then you kind of become okay with the fact that it's a long process. Trying to achieve something really big is a very long process, and it's not just going to happen um, overnight. And I think actually understanding that whole journey part of it is important, isn't it? And, it? and it's also breaking it down into bits, you know, because along that that journey and whatever it is that you're trying to create or succeed or learn, you know, there are, there are wins. You know, it's that the first time yeah. this happened or that happened or we've achieved this. And, and that, I guess that's where the kind of what have you done lately? Well, that's great. And you can rest on your laurels there for a little bit. But if you want it to then be the same but bigger or better in the future, then it's it's putting that continual effort in. And, and I can really understand yeah. how that works. Yeah. And just not having an appreciation of time as well. I remember I used to think uh, in the early days of PyTop, I mean, I've grown a lot over the last five years in terms of my thinking, but in the early days uh, of PyTop, we used a, a team communication tool called Slack. And it's great, and I love it, and, uh, But <laughs> because you can talk to anyone on your team at any time, share files and all, all that kind of stuff. But I used to say to everybody who was on the PyTop team, I'm like, you have to be available on Slack at all times, like all the time, um, not just in work hours, like all the time. And if I message you on Slack and you don't message me back in three minutes, then I'm going to be upset because I've got work to do. And I need, if I message you, it means I need you to answer. And, and, and um, which, you know, you have to be a little crazy at the start of things when you're, <laughs> when you're literally, you know, printing laptops in your living room and trying to do stuff with no money and, and, and all that. Um, you know, time. Um, is, I don't. I'm not like that anymore. Uh, thankfully, uh, and I think thankfully for everybody on the team as well. But it, it's you know, it's that expectation, time, expectation. Things always take much longer than you expect them to. Um, and success uh, in general in anything you're trying to do tends to take much longer than you have expected absolutely in, in enjoying the rest of it around it is, is key in that scenario isn't it like you say yeah yeah like you said the journey uh is a very important part of it there's that i mean it's like super stereotypical advice you know it's not the, the end like the, the the end isn't the 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 reward it's the journey that is the reward like that's the you know so you have to do something that you want to be doing because if let's say you work for 10 years to do something and then you get to the end of the 10 years and you're like, oh, this, you know, the, the, where's my, where's my reward now? Well, no, it's the, all the things that you did in the 10 years leading up to, you know, your, the, the, the kind of plateau of whatever you were doing, that, that was actually the reward. And if you weren't doing something that you didn't want to do for 10 years in a row, then I've got some bad news for you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a really, um, sort of potent point really because I'm my 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 day-to-day job is a professional musician and so having been to music college and studied in London you know that sort of 10,000 hour rule of just those days of getting up and practicing and all that kind of thing you know the 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 one fantastic concert at the Royal Albert Hall is brilliant but those 10,000 hours in the practice and the rehearsals and the driving around and all of that sort of stuff if you don't love the entire process of that it's a very long time to wait to get that adrenaline rush in a in a world famous concert <laughs> yeah and time makes everything seem fun you know what i mean all those terrible times like the i bet you you know for you i bet it's the same as it was for me and that you know, obviously you remember some of the really cool stuff that happened like when you know when when some amazing moment happened and you're like yeah that's that's great but actually the things that i i i, I look back on like kind of and i'm like oh yeah that was that was cool it's like 
the horrible bits that were they were bad, they were bad at the time you know like you're kind of like sleeping on a you know on a bad on a bad bed and you're not eating properly and you're kind of working all the time and you're like oh god it'll all be better you know it'll all be better eventually like it'll be fine those are the times that i find myself you know like when i meet up with ryan again or i chat to people about uh, python in the early days i'm like yeah well like <laughs> that was that was terrible right but it's you know, those were the most fun bits now that I look back on it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, and we're talking about sort of journey and all that sort of stuff. What does your future look like? Yeah, well, that's a million-dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> but um, I guess, um, so my, my I, I have a pretty good outlook as to, as to what, what, what I'm going to be doing for the next two to three years. Um, but the future for me is, is continuing to grow um, PyTop. It's, um, you know, we started out as two guys in a living room and, you know, now we're over more than 80 people in three offices across the world and uh, uh, with hundreds of thousands of students that, that, that you know, work on the PyTop platform so that it's really about, you know, how can we get that at a much bigger scale? Um, and how, uh, so for me, it's, it's a sort of personal journey of, of learning more skills on the business of building a business. Um, and hopefully bringing on more great people, uh, into the team. Um, you know, I've been very lucky to be able to work with people like Graham Brown Martin or Dr. Bill Rankin or Joe Kelly or Duncan Kenders, you know, I could Paul Callahan, I could name literally anybody in, mm -hmm. in PyTop and it, it's like, I'm extremely lucky to be able to work with them. So one of the big parts of my future is you know, being able to work with these great people and, and you know, have them, it's, you know, PyTop is way, way more than anything me and Ryan built in the beginning um so it's it's you know it's it's working with people like that to make it much better than it than it than it ever has been or 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 is now so that's the that's the future for me is just consistent participation in this thing that we call python i love it and i, and I love that whole collaboration thing and the working with people and and it's sort of a, 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 a slight tangent to um to that is the fact that I've I've worked in many organisations where just getting things off the ground are incredibly hard, and people sacrifice so much, and, and they put their sort of their blood and sweat into getting it going. Um, yeah. But, but the one thing that's always held them back as they've sort of gone out of that stage and wanted to sort of progress is the fact they've always wanted to keep their hands so tightly around everything that's going on that they've not brought in the people that can help it grow, you know, or they've, yeah. they've brought people in, but they've sort of um, handcuffed them to doing exactly what they wanted without sort of allowing that collaboration to grow and expand because like you say if you're working with yeah. great people they are the sum of what you could achieve and and um and i, and I, I just love the yeah. way you were talking about it and, and what you're wanting to do it's it's a very sort of expansive vision and i think from there it can only be a positive one yeah i mean that was actually one of the lessons i learned like early on it was one of the i still remember it like uh i i won't name the exact <laughs> example uh, <laughs> that taught me this lesson but so in the beginning it was me and ryan ryan did hardware stuff i did 
everything else. So, uh, and, and in my mind, like Ryan did the really hard stuff and I did all the easy stuff, but actually it was just Ryan in his mind thought that he did all the easy stuff and I did all the hard <laughs> stuff. It was just, well, I don't know how to do what you can do and you don't know how to do what I can do. So we're, you know, this is how we're divided in terms of the workload. Um, and I think both of us thought what the other person was doing was insane and amazing. Um, I certainly did. And, um, so in the beginning, you know, I, people talk about wearing a lot of different hats and I wore so many different hats because I, you know, I built like, I, I built the website, I built the PyTop branding, I built the, the way that we would sell things. You know, I was the salesperson too. I was the SEO guy. I was the, um, software guy to some extent, um, on the platform. So I, I did so many different things and then it was like, okay, well we got it to this stage and then we, then we launched on indiegogo and got enough money to hire people and and it was kind of like all right i told ryan i was like we're going to use all this money that we've gotten uh to hire people and then i'm going to go raise more money so that we can make the first batch of laptops in time Uh, but if we don't hire people then there's just no way that we're going to be able to make uh, the first batch of pie tops um, in any type of reasonable timeline and um so when i first brought new team members on you know, it's hard to let go of things that you've been doing and doing well. You know, you can, especially when you're a small company, like really small, uh, you know, a couple people, you know, the reality of put, having so many different hats on is, is really that actually they're, they're, it's still doable by one person. Um, but if you want to get to like now, it should be impossible to do all those things. It's, 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 it's it, you know, like marketing in and of itself or sales in and of itself could not be done by a single person, much less trying to do marketing and sales. Uh, right. And when I, when I was going through this sort of personal journey of, of bringing people onto an idea that, you know, really the first idea that I'd had that, that had wide success, you know, widespread traction, I suppose you, you could call it was letting go of those, hats and letting other people do stuff and definitely in the beginning did the people that we brought on to do specific you know like marketing or or some sales did they do it as good as i was doing it in the beginning no um and i really remember seeing something and i was like oh like i could have done that better but at the same time i was like there's just not enough time in the day to do all of this stuff and they'll get better. Like this is, and I had to remember. I was like, remember what you were like when you first tried this. And so, of course, they're not going to be as good as you are when you've been doing something for like a whole year. But really quickly, like it just took like a matter of a month or two. They, those people will get up to speed, and then they won't just be as good as you were at it. They'll be better than you were at it because that's all they're, they're doing that one task all the time and they really care about that. And then, you know, you, you, you go to where we are now and I'm like, man, I'm so lucky (laughs) to be with these people because they're doing things that I could never do. Or they think of things that I never would have thought of. And actually it frees me up to do, you know, what I'm sort of uniquely good at, um, which is the, the, the business of building um, PyTop, um, the, the business. And that, that um, you have to trust other people and you have to, you have to. Otherwise, you're never going to get bigger than like two guys in a living room. 
Absolutely. And and I I love the the correlation really. It's a little bit like when we were talking about the teacher. It's that sense of oh yes, they're talking to me and like you said if you can if you can take those skills on board and you're talking to the people that you're training or you're you're imparting your knowledge and allowing them to fly. It's the same kind of thing, isn't it? But it's just that the yeah. the roles have been flipped really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tr- it's a trust. It's a trust and an understanding that um you know, you might not no one's going to be perfect uh especially in the beginning. Um, and you know you learn through you learn through doing, so everyone is going to get better as long as you let them try something. And I guess that's one of the core. Is one of the core things that we try and instill in schools. Um, it's you know how, how do you learn? You learn best through doing things. So you have to you have to have things in the classroom that allow students to try doing things. Just to finish off, then, what was what podcast, book, video, film, song, or, or any resource has had the biggest impact on your life so far, and why was that? I mean, this is a really good question. Um, I want to preface it first by when so when YouTube first came around, uh, I can't remember where I got this idea, but I so ages ago when I was fifteen, um, I decided that I was going to watch a documentary every day. Uh, for my whole life, and I have, I've done that. Uh, it's gotten way, way easier with the proliferation of content on YouTube, and like PBS uh, has just an unbelievable amount of sort of six to ten minute um, documentaries that you can just consume on a massive scale. You can binge watch like the entirety of what's happened in the world, basically. Um, but so I, I've I've watched a lot of documentaries and I've 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 and I've read a lot of you know I've done a, at least one thing every day for basically 16 years in a row, which is a lot. Uh, <laughs> but the the one that I enjoyed the most uh, that that still sticks to me today is actually the biography of Cornelius Vanderbilt. And basically, he was uh, at one point the wealthiest uh, American. Uh, I think probably one of the wealthiest people to ever live. He owned uh, one of every $12 in the United States. And so when people talk about how wealthy Jeff Bezos is and stuff nowadays, it's like, yeah, like um, if you really want to look at somebody who was so successful that they basically almost owned 10% of American wealth, well, this guy, Cornelius Vanderbilt. And how, but the, you know, where did he come from? He was a, uh, he was uh, just—he was like the son of of basically normal people um, in New York, uh, like poor, you know, poor people. And he started off his life when he was, well, his business life when he was 15, ferrying people on a little sailboat um, across, you know, to Manhattan. And that uh, he, he got enough money to start. He built this massive steamboat. Empire, um, which is pretty cool because uh, people don't realize, but basically they these empire they just used to race each other in steamboats to see who could get to <laughs> places quick enough. And there's this whole scandal about how steamboats were blowing up because like steamboat captains were like just pushing these things to the nth degree. And anyway, he ended up sort of winning winning that uh, race uh, as it were <laughs> over a number of years, and then all of a sudden, well, trains became the big thing. So he, you know, steamboats were basically rendered obsolete by trains, right? So then he created the biggest railroad empire. Uh, 
and and built Grand Central Station in New York. Um, and uh, and and basically, he was just this amazing individual who, um, you know, even back he lived to like 86 years old and. He was like, he crashed a train because he was racing it. He cried. He used to race horses, um, like, but, you know, carriage, like carriage racing. And he, you know, when he was, I think he was like 82 or something like that. And he was still racing horses and crashed and basically broke all the bones in his body. But, you know, he sort of just sort of walked it off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that, 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 uh, I highly recommend, um, the book, uh, you know, the, the Vanderbilts uh, to this day are still a really big um, family, and it's just the enduring uh, sort of impact that he's had on the world that I find really it's just something you only see in, like, one person in a generation type thing, um, especially uh, back then. I just thought it, it's a great book, a great story, and um, a really interesting part of history yeah it's amazing and, and we'll have um, links on the show notes to all these things so if you go to educationonfire.com and in the search bar just put jesse um it, it'll pop up and uh, and we'll have links to all those things there um so it's been fascinating i've really enjoyed chatting to you and yeah, what's the best way for people to find out more about you if you want to find out more about me pie top is the only thing i've ever done <laughs> so go to pytop.com it's just pi hyphen com. You can read about all the stuff that we do there. Um, I highly, highly, highly recommend our blog. Um, Andrew is an amazing uh, content creator around uh, the the stories and the and the blog uh, articles that we write. Um, and I've found myself uh, sort of going, "All right, great, another new PyTop blog is out. I get to read it." Um, so I highly recommend that if you want to sort of know what, what, what we're up to and what we're thinking in a wider sense. That's fantastic. You, you can't get any better, better recommendation than the, someone who created a company being excited about what they're going to learn from what's going on from their blog. I mean, that's just fantastic. And uh, yeah. I'm definitely going to be checking it out as soon as we finish up. Yeah. Well, uh, thank yeah. you, Jesse, for, for sharing your wisdom and allowing us to learn from your experiences. Well, I really appreciate it. I had a great time chatting. And uh, yeah, I will. Um, I look forward to to putting up the the podcast on on our Slack and being like, hey guys, Fantastic. <laughs> listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lovely. Thank you so much, Jesse. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.